All right, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Good morning, Atlanta. Good morning, Southeast, East Coast, West Coast. Good morning, wherever you are. The Daily Huddle is a growing tribe of passionate people who want to uplift humankind through their work and throughout their communities. We invite you to elevate the way you experience life through rich and inspiring conversations with today's thought leaders. Be prepared to challenge your views about leadership, health, money, spirituality, communication, and relationships. Welcome to The Daily Huddle. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. We like to say over here, the way you start your day gives you the rest of the day and the way that you live each day gives you the rest of your life. Use future, the future you want is really today. <laughs> That's all there is. Today we're going to be engaging in a phenomenal conversation with one of my favorite human beings in the world. But in a minute, I'm going to introduce her. Today's question is around, if company culture matters, why do so many leaders fail to describe their own organizational culture? Isn't that a good question? If company culture matters, like this is like this invisible hand that controls our performance, right? What people say, what people do, how people behave. Why do so many leaders fail to describe their own organization's culture? All right, so today I want to introduce you truly, I really mean this, uh, one of my favorite human beings in the world, uh, Mariela. I have so much to say about Mariela, given who she has been in my life, the impact that she has been to my life. Uh, uh, her, her grace, her professionalism, her leadership has elevated every single area of my life. And today we get to have her at the Daily Huddle. I'm going to just share a few. Really, this is truly a tip of the iceberg of the her lifetime contribution and her professional achievements um, so that you guys get to know her a little bit before we dive into the question. Is that is that okay, Mariela? Go ahead, Gio. <laughs> Thank you. Mar Mariela is a multilingual, passionate journalist, writer, producer, and public relations professional with over 30 years in broadcasting. She has received 27, 27 Emmy Awards from the Academy of Television Arts Southeast. In 2022, she received the Presidential Lifetime Achievement Award for her years as volunteer service, a volunteer service. She's currently the board chair of the Galt Center in Washington, D.C., in 2021, the Georgia Hispanic Chamber of Commerce in, inducted her as one of the most influential Latinos Hall of Fame. In 2022, Mariela co-founded the Latin American Conference for Transformation, where I get to lead as well, where Spanish-speaking individuals elevate their identities to take advantage of the unlimited possibilities of the future. Currently, she's focused on preparing individuals and companies who want people who want to propel their lives, leadership, and businesses to new heights. Through the Cultural Master Certification Program, Mariela shows you how to protect your brand and properly navigate our culture, culturally complex world while transforming your culture mindset and skill set. Mariela, thank you for being here. It truly is a privilege and honor to call you a friend. I always say. 
one of my bragging rights is to say that you're my friend. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. And I'm going to leave you with Sorel so you guys can dive into this phenomenal conversation. Oh, Gio, you don't get to run away, brother. Stay right here with us. This conversation is for all of us. Gio and I have the privilege this morning to engage Mariella in a conversation for company culture. Now, the reason this is so important is that un unbeknownst to most people, you sitting in your chair right now, the way you act, the way you speak, what you drink, what you love to eat, the people you love, it's all driven by culture. And so for the most part, culture is kind of invisible to us. And yet it matters so much. So Mariella, thank you for being here today to sort of shine a light on culture. And one of the things that I think people take for granted is that they really know what culture is. So could you shine a light on, on that for us? What, what is culture? Yes, well, one of the many reasons why we struggle answering this question is because um, culture is difficult for a lot of people to define. And, uh, that's why, you know, the question that Gio was asking at the beginning, if it is so difficult to define, how can you manage it? And cultural culture simply is the DNA of a group, of an organization, of our a society. It is the product and expression of a people's shared experience. And it has five elements at least five elements, um, you know, the beliefs, the norms, the values, the uh, symbols, and the language. That is, simply put, what culture is. When you say those five things again, now, this is an attempt at taking something that is so intangible and making it tangible to the world. So beliefs... Beliefs, norms, values, symbols, and language. At least those five elements are the are core to any culture. And you know, to to define uh, beliefs, for example, to find where we we get our beliefs. If you look at churches, that is where you have uh, the set of beliefs that are very. Uh, express, you know, you have dogmatic beliefs, etc. When we talk about norms, is the enforcement of those beliefs. When we talk about values, it is very interesting because when you find the values of a culture, then in, in, in another culture, those values might not mean anything. It might not be any significant. And then, for example, the symbols is how we identify ourselves, how we can know, oh, you are from my same uh, tribe, region, et cetera, et cetera. So symbols are very, you know, gangs have symbols for a reason. And they want, you know, this color means this, this other color means that. And how that's how I identify my friends and my enemies. And then the language the language is extremely important because it's not only, uh, you know, uh, the language between Spanish, the difference between Spanish and French or English is also the language of a 
uh, a family or uh, an organization. The corporate language of McDonald's is different from the corporate language of Burger King. And both, they sell burgers. But there are some, uh, in the language, you can see the, reflected the values of the organization. So those five elements are really the expression of the culture. Yeah, and, and to bring it home and make it a little fun, uh, there's where you're from, and there's a and there's the culture that gives you your life. Can you express your culture and your attachment to it for us through those five components? Correct, correct. So, and, like, uh, uh, like, who is Mariana <laughs> through her culture? Yes. Well, do uh, you know Sorel? It, it, it is. Um, unbelievable for me to be speaking about this. Uh, so, and, and being so present, realizing my own culture, because that is the first step to go into this journey of cultural mastery. Really understanding your own culture and embracing it. One of the principles of cultural mastery is know your culture. And in order for me to embrace someone else's culture, I must embrace my own. And at the beginning of this process of cultural mastery, we ask the participants, look at your own culture. What are the things of your culture that you like the most? What things you don't like? And also that exercise helps you to look at the cultures that you are resisting. We ask to do that exercise. You know why? Because in order for you to be a great leader, you really need to understand what you are emotionally resisting. If you are resisting a culture, another culture, you're not going to be an effective leader if you have to lead people within that culture. So you really have to do a transformational journey through, through cultural mastery to be able to lead external transformation. Having gone through that journey yourself, uh, what did you discover about your own culture? Great question, because uh, this is why I am so passionate about cultural mastery. Growing up, Sorel, I, I grew up in, in Venezuela. I was born in Venezuela. But when I was nine years of age, we moved to France and I had to immerse myself in a completely different culture, a different language. You know, Venezuela doesn't have the four seasons. We have only summer. Mm -hmm. And then I experienced, uh, you know, a changing of the weather in, in a way that first um, being outside of my own country made me realize as a, at a very young age, how, what makes me Venezuela? And I became like a little mini ambassador of my country with all the kids because they will ask me, how is Venezuela? What do you like? What do you eat? And without knowing that I was doing this process, I was portraying and explaining the other kids what my culture was. And I was expressing it through my games, 
through the food that I was sharing, through the stories that I was telling. And what I found out, Sorel, was so many things in common with the other children who were coming from different parts of the world. I remember, you know, in that in that first uh, class that I was with all the kids that were learning French, we had kids from uh, Algeria, we had kids from Cambodia, Poland, Portugal, from different parts of the of the world. And my grandmother, she would send us food from Venezuela, and we would bring the food to you know for the other kids to see. So my grandmother, she sent one of those sweets that we have in Venezuela and Colombia that we wrap with um, banana leaves. There are dry banana leaves and they're sweet. So I brought that to school. And uh, one of my classmates, she was from the Commodore Islands. And when she saw that, she said, we eat that in my country. And immediately, I saw the connection between she and I. It was like a bond was was being made. And then I was looking at the map where her country was. And I couldn't believe so far away from Venezuela. But I knew that her ancestors influenced. They came to my land. And they are part of my culture. So that was a beautiful thing for me as a child to so, experience. So there was culture at the level of the individual, you, right? Me. And we can see through this conversation how learning about your culture could connect me with you in a way that we couldn't connect until I learned about your culture. And it could also create the space for me to appreciate mine as you appreciate it. Now, Absolutely. let's shift a little bit to an organization. There's this thing that you've been talking to me about called cultural intelligence. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about that and, and help us see the impact of not having it and the benefits of having it. So what is cultural intelligence? Well, cultural intelligence, uh, it, you know, you can define it as the way to really be mindful of other people's culture and behave in a way that you are uh, not going to be offensive. You're going to be inclusive. And one of the most important things that you can do by to acquire cultural intelligence is being neutral. You know, we have different, like I said before, cultures have different values, symbols, you know, those elements and elements of one culture might not resonate with another one. But the moment that I start judging the people of one culture because of the behavior that the culture they're in has, the moment that I start judging and I'm not neutral, I am out of a position of influence. And that is, in a nutshell, having cultural intelligence. We propose cultural mastery to obtain that yeah. because uh, we are products of our culture. If I were to be born in, in Afghanistan, 
I might not be dressed the way I am right now. But if you start judging me for the attire that I wear, if I were a Muslim woman and you start saying, well, you see how oppressive, blah, blah, blah. And you start making judgments about that, then you don't have cultural intelligence. You are putting yourself in a position where you cannot influence me. Because one of the most beautiful things, Sorel, is that culture, we can mold it together. It is, culture is, but it's changing all the time as well. You know, one of the most incredible things we're witnessing as, as, as human beings at this historical time is what is happening in Iran. The concept of uh, women's rights is percolating in that society. So it's changing. You know, we could say, okay, that culture, we, we might believe that culture is not gonna change. Look how it's changing. A concept is penetrating the, the system and people are starting thinking about something that probably 50 years ago was impossible to believe. So that is the beauty. The beautiful thing about culture is that we can shape it together because it's constantly changing. And our ability to shape it together, if I'm hearing you correctly, demands that we don't make one culture right and another one wrong. You, you point to this word being neutral. Right? Being, neutral is, being neutral. Being neutral is that key. Uh, not judging is that key. And, and you know, as, as human beings, it's very difficult not to be judgmental because uh, that is ingrained in our way of, you know, our evolution has demanded that we judge at any moment, every situation, you know, for survival. So we are uh, prone to discriminate, discriminate among other peoples. That is natural for us. The unnatural thing is not to be that way, but we cannot even judge our own nature. We just have to work with our nature and start developing through the six stages of cultural mastery I propose. We develop the steps so we can remain neutral and then we can have an action plan on how to unite us how to really, really connect with someone, how to do it genuinely, authentically, and not being, uh, you know, made feel like we have to walk on eggshells or be politically correct all the time, because that goes against our nature, you know, and, and the being neutral and not judgmental is really the first step, the first key on the mindset side. To, to start navigating this and acquiring that uh, cultural in intelligence. Awesome. Thank you, Mariela. Let's get Gio into the conversation and then open it up to questions and comments from the rest of our friends and the huddlers. Gio? I like what you were pointing, Mariela. Uh, thank you. Um, one of the things that um, you were saying that I found it to be interesting was um, the unnatural thing is to not be judging. It's the unnatural thing is not is to not be judgmental. And then you are saying, um, then then there is this challenge 
if you will, in what I heard you were saying, which is to become neutral. And so there is that, how, how um, when you are guiding people in the possibility of becoming neutral, right? Uh, how, how, how do you approach, if you will, or what are your thoughts on my natural self-expression is to judge? Pretending I don't, it's the trap. But then the possibility is to become neutral. So what are your thoughts on making that, making that transition? Because uh, I find, last thought, because I find that maybe it is is beginning to shift. Maybe it is beginning to shift. But I find that, that, that in the current environment that we're in, the sensitivity aspect of being inclusive has made the marketplace a lot more judgmental. <laughs> like, like a lot more. And, uh, and, and this um, walking on eggshells is at all times high. What are, what are your thoughts on this? Exactly, Giovanni, exactly. And I'm so happy that we are, are discussing this because precisely you have to do the exercise about your resistance, your resistances, your prejudice, your evaluation of your own culture and the cultures that are out there. You have to start thinking about that and shining a light about that. And one of the things we do is create safe spaces where we can talk about those things. Because what we have been doing is a lot of training that make people being sensitive. And okay, this is the awareness that you need to have. And this is a sensitivity. And people feel like, I cannot say anything. I cannot be myself. And that, like you said, Giovanni, is the trap. The way to do it is discussing it, is having your self-reflections, writing it down, learning, why am I getting this resistance? The other day I was having, uh, I was coaching a cohort and we had this amazing, amazing group of leaders talking about their resistance and the discovery that, you know, sometimes your own culture, you have a problem with that and, and not being able to discuss it, not being able to see it because you want to, uh, you know, pretend that you are this perfect human being is what is not working. That is why we see a lot of people uh, saying terrible things and being filmed on camera. We are taping that word, the, the worst moment of that person's life on camera. And we are making a judgment that that is who that person is. And we are destroying our relationships because we're doing that to each other. So what we propose is this go into this internal journey, this transformation, learn about your own culture, the things that you like, the things that you question, and imagine yourself in someone else's shoes. One of the most beautiful things I experienced as a child was through a very dramatic situation when I was um, learning about the Holocaust in France. And I was seeing the, the first images of, of Jewish people being sent to the crematoriums and being killed. It traumatized me. 
And for two weeks, I was crying every night because I couldn't believe we could do that as human beings. But interestingly enough, every morning I would wake up and ask my mom, what is different about the Jewish? And my mom every morning will say to me, nothing. There's nothing different about them. And I was questioning myself like, but what that happened to them? If they're not different, why that happened to them? And as an adult now, I realize what a gift I had with my mom that she did not gave me any prejudice against the Jewish people. Because what I was doing, I was trying to rationalize what happened to them and say, oh, it happened because they are so, 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 so. If my mom would have said one negative thing about the Jewish people, I would have said, oh, that's it. It was their problem. It you was would not that. You, you would have inherited some evaluation. Exactly. Mariela, quick question, and forgive me for interrupting. Mm -hmm. I see, see Chase's hand is uh, it's there for a while, and, and the time is running. Go ahead, Chase. Oh, man, Mariela. So much to say. I don't know if I can capsulize it. You have to, Chase. We're running out of time. You Gosh, oh, my God. So here's the thing. Um, looking at my culture, um, where I come from, and my background was uh, Costa Rican, Jamaican, Black American. But being here in America and being here in New York, I'm Black American. Okay, let's just to simplify it. And being a Black American and looking at our culture currently, right now, after the pandemic, the way we are as a people, you know, there seems to be a lot of anger, a lot of pushback, a lot of, you know, uh, uh, people walking around with this we are entitled, we're entitled to mess stuff up, to break stuff up, to be angry, all this, whatever, right? Again, this isn't everyone. But as I watch and ride the subway and go around different areas and I watch different things, the, the thing that sparked me was when you said being neutral, being neutral, being on the train and watching someone from my culture, you know, begin a fight or be walking down the street, see someone eating a sandwich in Harlem, throw the paper outside, walking down the street, seeing a, a black person disrespect someone out of nowhere for no reason. And to be in this place of, of neutrality, because I was brought up by two, two men who were from the military, an incredibly strong Torian mother. So I have so much solid training. And then I go out into the world and I see these things and I go, well, I don't want to judge these people because they're my people. But at the same time, I have to think to myself, they didn't have the training that I had. They didn't have the parents that I have obviously, <laughs> right? Because there's other things going on, but I don't know where they're coming from or how they're doing these things. And many times for me to just be neutral and watch it from the outside, even last week, I saw something online that said such and such and such and such in the street. And then someone put a comment, there they go again. It's always them. And I was like, wow. Like, I just like, I read it and I was like, this perception or this uh, learned activity in our heads or from other people that say, yeah, that's what they're going to do. Yeah, that's who they are, so on and so forth. So again, all I can do is set an example and be who I am, you know, be respectful, walk out into the world dressed in a respectful way, interact with people, so on and so forth. It's a difficult task on some days because you just want to say, man, why can't we just do better? Why can't we just connect on a, on a more, uh, you know, passionate level with each other and just do it a better way? That's my that's my wrap up. You know, Mariela, you, you've Thank opened you, up 
Pandora that was a hard one. Box. <laughs> I know. I know. And Chase, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. And you know, the only thing that I could tell you, you don't have to be neutral in, 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 in just accepting it. You just have to be neutral not to judge them because of the environment where they are and not become that common. Here they are. That's how they are exactly you know what broke your heart was that comment because you know that that is not true when i say neutrality is neutrality in in terms of not judging it so you can later influence but my charge is let's be that influence that makes us all cultural intelligent let's make us uh, that that those leaders who want to influence and make the negative things on us on our culture make them positive but the way we um put your put ourselves out of the equation is is when we start judging and not having neutrality but neutrality doesn't mean being passive you can exercise some action ah uh, beautiful beautiful and mariella perfect segue you know i'm going to put you on the spot Perfect segue into the next six episodes on this matter. Because you did mention there are six stages to cultural Correct. management. And you're not just going to leave us hanging, are you? No. I can tell you the six no. stages. Don't tell us the six stages, but they're coming. <laughs> okay. Great. Well, well <laughs> Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, and I was going to say, uh, as as your last words for today, could you just name them before we close the show? Absolutely. I will name them, but I also would like to say something because Giovanni was very gracious and with a lot of love when he introduced me. And I also want to say that one of the biggest honors of my life is to have found the Latin American Conference on Transformation with Giovanni. So thank you, Giovanni. Thank you, Sorel, for everything that you have brought into my life. And to close, I'm going to mention the six stages of cultural mastery so you can have an insight of what that process looks like. The first one is education. That is the foundational step to go into this uh, journey. The second one is engagement. Then we have empathy. Then we go into excitement. From excitement, we go to empowerment. And the last stage is endearment. For so long, our cultural goal has been having tolerance. Tolerance is not a good, good goal to have. It's meaning, it means that you have to put up with someone else. We want to reach endearment. We really, really, when we reach endearment, people sacrifice for one another. That's when human beings get to their highest potential. And that's my dream for the world, that we all reach endearment to one another. And thank you for this opportunity. A question from Cece. There yes, I am. I'm so sorry. I just want to say thank you so much for being so generous and opening up this topic because it allowed me to just get a glimpse of how wonderful of a person you are. And um, I'd like to see, hear more about it. 
um, the topic and maybe do this dialogue again. And um, thank you and Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, Cece. And uh, we'll close our show as we usually do inside of uh, being culturally intelligent and masters of life and organizations and families, the opportunity to be neutral about your culture. Giovanni loves you more than anybody ever will, and I love you too. At the Daily Huddle, we agree that the best way to kick off the day is to adhere to Patty Dabrowski's seven principles for having a happy body, sexy skin, a laughing spirit, and a rewarding life. Give. Give of your time, your full attention, and of your unique talents. Move. Move your body to keep it feeling energized and alive. Eat mostly plants. Plants are the purest fuel to help you reach your potential each day. Sleep. Sleep is how the body repairs itself and readies us to give our very best each day. Stress less. According to John Perkins, stress is just a problem without a solution. Choose your solution and dismiss that stress. Laugh. Laugh out loud from your belly to your chest and with your head tossed back. You will fire up your endorphins and bring more energy to everyone around you. Love. Most of all, love. With your words, your thoughts, and your actions. Power them with love and watch the way you experience life elevate to all it can be. We thank you for joining us on The Daily Huddle. We are a growing tribe of passionate professionals seeking to inspire a new generation of leaders. Go out and share your unique ability to impact the world. Until next time, 